All right. Well, good morning, New City. Thanks for joining us online. And you know what's really great about Legos is just how much absolute fun they are for both kids and adults. I mean, we recently watched this Lego Masters, and I'm convinced that you can make just about anything out of these things. In fact, I've spent entire afternoons with my five-year-old uh, constructing what I was told, right, uh, was a flying submarine that can shoot lasers as well as deliver cupcakes to unicorns, right? Just a little less interactive, uh, but just as impressive has been the creations brought to me by my then 11-year-old uh, where I would get shown the mother of all jails, right? With turrets and cameras and trap doors and unbreakable windows. Yeah, what's absolutely wonderful, right, about Legos is how well they follow a child and stick with them as they grow. You know what's not so great about Legos? Is how well they follow a kid as they grow, right? Because there is nothing so painful as finding Legos by Braille as you're heading to bed. And you know what I never step on anymore? Is dolls. Hot Wheel cars? Nope. Army guys? Not one soldier left behind. But Legos? You never really outgrow Legos. And other than stepping on them, those little blocks are really incredible, right? Lights on, you can always spot them, turn them into just about anything your imagination can hold. It's when the lights go out, when it's dark, that's when these toys become traps. See, it's the darkness that hides the threat on the carpet, right? It's the darkness that takes the path so familiar, like from the kitchen to the bedroom, and makes us step with hesitancy. See, I've walked this route every single day for over 10 years. And I know where every item sits, where every wall comes to a corner. But when it gets dark, when the lights get turned off, the path of familiarity turns into something that I would only find on something like Wipeout or Ninja Warrior. See, elements lie in waiting on the floor, right? And I can no longer see them right? until it's too late. And like the Home Alone scene where the burglar steps through the window and onto those Christmas ornaments, it's the darkness that brings the pain. Right? This is the power of darkness, to hide, to confuse, and to harm. Like a slow fog, it can be hard to notice the dark creeping in until you're in the thick of it. Right? When I find myself in this place, it's often not because I've noticed the slow-moving fog drifting in or filling up the space around me. No, the dark shows itself sideways, right? Through other things than directly from itself. See, when my space is getting darker, my days start to feel heavier than they used to, right? Tasks that normally are an easy win just seem impossible to even get started. Like dusting or folding, or cooking. There's frustration over even the smallest things, and it feels like only small things are happening all the time. You would think that, um, that it would be easy right, to spot and identify, but it never is for me. See, it's deceptive and slow moving. 
and it turns all the attention to the only thing you can really see in the dark, yourself. All those little things seem to be targeted just at me, right? So kids either not listening or maybe just not listening good enough, right? Uh, are suddenly, all those things are out to get me, right? Which is ridiculous, I know, absolutely ridiculous. But it feels like they've teamed up, right? And are um, just out to upset me on purpose, right? Not just kids, but just the events and all as a whole. So even the dog is in on it, right? as some detrained behavior, right, shows up for just a single instant, and I think, well, guess we gotta start all over on that one. Yeah, this is the power of darkness, right, to keep us in a place of me all the time. And then the questions, right, start to creep in. My job no longer feels secure or nor the right fit, right? I start to reevaluate right, my strengths and weaknesses again, and by looking around for open positions that would be a better match because that must be where this is coming from, right? The darkness takes me from a place of asking a question to being questioning, right? And there's a difference there because one is born out of curiosity, right, and wonder, and the other out of contempt. Asking a question helps a person to understand something, helps them grow, helps them learn. It uncovers how something works. Being questioning helps nobody. Being questioning works off of assumption, and the biggest one being that I know best. Thoughts like, did I pick the right degree? Did I accept the right job offer? Did I really look around at all the options before? Fill in the blank. See, questioning creates doubts, and darkness, confusion. It steals that peaceful place of assurance, the one that says, I'm on the right track, and instead, it muddies things enough that I cannot even make out the track. So any bump in the road, any plan that doesn't follow the way that I thought it would, right, is met with more apprehension than it would be if I could just see the bump for what it truly is. Instead, it's dark, and our focus is gone, and the nervous energy that comes right, with being uneasy begins to work itself out in doing rather than being. In a desperate state to be stable again, to feel grounded and just not lost in the dark, I've tried to take action on my own before. This shows up in questioning you know, that purpose and work. Where is it that God wants me to be, and am I doing that one thing, right, that he has for me to do here? Fear that I'm not doing that, uh, whatever that thing is grips me tight, and I just start to do, right? I begin to dial in my running, right? Start tracking stats, start uh, performing even more runs so that I have more to measure and track and more to adjust. I start looking at nutrition. Um, I said, look, right? And uh, we'll often, you know, give it a shot, but um, we'll quit because, well, cookies taste way better than carrots. All right, so if this dark is so confusing and consuming, right, and the way is not clear and worse yet, full of sharp hazards, I resort to just taking a step in any direction because that will help, right? The movement right, will create some momentum and perhaps get me out of this crazy space. But like a two-year-old trying to clean up anything, right, it's just making it worse. 
See, in doubt, in dark, any option now looks like the option. So we run after it. And there's nothing like running 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction to help in getting a person really lost. Enough time spent in this space, in this questioning and doubt, and I begin to wonder, God, are you here at all? Are you going to show up in this? And darkness is especially good at unknowing and is happy to share that gift with all of us. Lastly here, the dark delivers pain. Right? Some of the pain is physical, right? like knots in the shoulders and migraines from stress. And sometimes the pain is emotional, such as the words that we speak from a place of darkness are often as sharp as Lego corners, but land with a punch. You can hear it when Jesus asked Judas, would you betray me with a kiss? This thing meant for love is used for something just the opposite. Perhaps the most sinister aspect of the darkness is its ability to keep us from seeing the good, to keep our attention inward, but not in a healthy, reflective way, but in a way that measures, that constantly compares and keep us feeling like we're falling short. We cannot see any good because it's dark, and you cannot tell where the bad's coming from because it's dark. But you can feel it like a Lego. Take a look with me back at the passage from today. We just start in verse 52. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Before all this happened, when Jesus was walking towards the end of his earthly ministry, he could feel the darkness rolling in. He knew what Judas was up to in meeting with the Pharisees and plotting just the right moment. He knew what Peter was going to say and not say later. He knew he would have to wake up his trusted friend, right, to be with him during this time of heaviest darkness. All this weight, all this confusion, doubt, disappointment, fear, and what's most remarkable is what Jesus did instead. Jesus did not start doing, right? He did not pile on activities, right? to which he could then measure his performance and know his worth. He did not question God's authority by trying to make himself the center of everything. In fact, if you look at the same story in the Gospel of John, you will see that when the soldiers come to Jesus, he asks them who they're looking for. And when they say Jesus, he replies, I am he. And they fall down. That confidence assurance, and certainty in knowing who you are is the exact opposite of how we typically respond. Jesus has no questioning of God's purpose or presence. Rather, his doing was actually his stopping and praying. We're in the season of Lent, a time of darkness and reflection. Perhaps you're in a place, like we talked about earlier, lost in the midst of nothing. Or maybe you find yourself with a little sharper tongue towards those you love for no other reason than the weight of these things seems relentless 
and at your heels all the time. I would invite us to follow the example of Jesus while in this place of unknowing. I would invite us to stop. Most everything is still shut down or performed in a limited fashion that stopping is both the easiest as it's within our grasp and hardest to execute because it looks so much like every other minute of the day. What I'm asking is that you find a space and a time where you can be still. The quiet helps settle the darkness. It calms the confusing noise that keeps us in a stirred up frenzy. It calms, right, it finds just a place, just find a calm place, find a calm time. Within the 24 hours given to each of us, right, still your heart, slow your mind for even just one minute. And while in that minute, ask God for you to hear. Ask the Spirit to show you the places that keep you guessing, keep you questioning, that keep you on the doing track and continue to lead you further in circles of confusion. Ask because when we are in darkness, it's because life isn't going the way that we want. And this can lead to doubt. What particular areas of your life are you most aware of the darkness and the doubts right now? What is Jesus, who is the light of the world, doing in the midst of your personal season of darkness? This Lenten season, make this a daily practice. Remember the power of darkness and the manipulative hold it has. It shrouds everything. And then, remember Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we ask you to be in this place at this time with us. Help us to know what the darkness tries to hide and to know that you love us no matter what. As we spend this Lenten time in reflection of who you are, I ask that you would be there, right, beside us, helping to show the way. We love you and lift this time to you, Lord. Amen. At this time, right, during Lent, after the message, we're going to spend some time reflecting on a question. So each week, we will post on your screen a question for you to consider, for you to pray through, for you to have a conversation with those that you're worshiping with. I'd invite you to do that now. Jamie will play a few songs, and after some time, we'll close our service, um, just as we always do with singing. But for now, reflect on your question before you and have a chat with those you're worshiping with.